All right, we'll get started with our opening prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. St. Joseph, protecting father of the infant Jesus, and dedicated husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we come before you for your powerful intercession and protection. We turn to your courageous example to form the shape of this masculine presence that will lead others to the knowledge of God, our loving Father so that we can be examples of our family, our church, and our community. We lift up to you, St. Joseph, our pain and our pain, our success and our struggles. Through it all, with our sinfulness, may we persevere Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Thank you all for coming. The um, it's a good crowd we have. If you are here for the first time, would you mind raising your hand, please? One, two. If you're a first timer, please raise your hand. Looks like 10 first-timers, okay? 11, that's, that's fantastic, that's fantastic. Now, if you, if you were here for the first time and you were on the retreat this past weekend at Our Ladies, from Our Lady Parish, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, four of them, that's fantastic. All right, thank you for coming. No reason to come down the mountain if you have a place like this to come. You can stay on a high ground the whole time. We do this once a month. We're the community of transcendent men. Um, if you're here for the first time, you may not have ever heard of us before. On your table is a booklet called The Vivid Vision. There's about 100 hours put into that book, and please read it. It's The, the Vivid Vision of Father Huber, uh, along with a bunch of men that sat down to try to shape what we were trying to do. Five years ago this month, Father Huber approached a man about building this community to have a community of men. We need to be men coming together, talking about important stuff, the teachings of Christ and his church, in order to grow the church. That's what we need to do. We need to get our families to heaven and impact the people around us by the life we live, our example, and the, and the light that we shine as we live the gospel out. Our first reading from Habakkuk. How long, O Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you, violence, but you do not intervene. Why do you let me see ruin? Why must I look at misery? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and clamorous discord. Then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision clearly upon the tablets so that one can read it readily. For the vision still has its time, presses on to fulfillment and will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it, it will surely come. It will not be late. The rash one has no integrity, but the just one, because of his faith, shall live. The word of the Lord. Thanks be. If today you hear his voice, 
Harden not your hearts. If today they hear your voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us. For he is our God, and we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts, as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert. Where your fathers tempted me, they tested me, though they had seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Two Timothy, one six through eight, thirteen through fourteen verses. Beloved, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. So. Do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake, but bear your share of hardship for the gospel with a strength that comes from God. Take as your norm the sound words that you heard from me and the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. Guard this rich trust with the help of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Please stand. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to the mulberry trees, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from plowing and tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, prepare something for me to eat? Put, and put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he, a great, is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you hear, when you have done all you have been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we are obliged to do. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. So the first reading is from Habakkuk. It's a, it's a prophet. Okay, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. 
And what's different from about Habakkuk, it's a very sharp uh, letter. Most prophets, what they'll do is they'll get information. God will communicate them and say, hey, go do something. And tell the, tell the Israelites or, or the, the Jews in the south to do something. You've you're, you got to straighten up. Well, in this case here, it's actually Habakkuk who is saying, hey, God, uh, you got to do something. And uh, things are not going well and everything else. We don't know exactly when Habakkuk, the prophet, was around. We think somewhere 8th century, maybe 7th century B.C. He might have been a 9th century guy, but I, we doubt it. So what does that mean then? If you recall, in the 11th century B.C., that's when Israel, the 12 tribes decided we're gonna, we want a king. And the first king was, anybody remember? It starts with letter S, just so you don't throw it out. Uh, so, nope, Saul. Oh, Saul. Saul, that's right. He was the first king, and then he fell out of favor with God. And then the second king was David, King David. And then that's where the line runs. And the next one was Solomon there. And then after King Solomon, the, uh, the, the ten tribes in the north wanted their own king, their own kingdom. And that was primarily known by the kingdom of, of Israel. And then they, they, these kings that were in there for, from about uh, the end of the, the uh, 10th century into the 8th, 7th century, they were not good kings. But the kingship of David the, and his ascendants ran through the southern kingdom of Judah. And there was two tribes down there, basically. And that's where the, uh, so in, in Israel history, we have two, two kingdoms that we're dealing with. So during the, when Habakkuk was around, he, the two kingdoms looked like they were around. Uh, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, they were around. And again, that's where the kingdom of Solomon, uh, David and then uh, Solomon and Rehoboam and all that went through there. That's where, and it goes all the way to Jesus, Joseph and then Jesus. That's where that kingdom is, the kingdom of Judah. And it makes sense then, if you recall, where, 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 did, where was Ju Jesus born? But in Bethlehem. And where was Bethlehem? It's located in the southern kingdom there. So that's why he went down there and, and everything else. So Habakkuk uh, was around when we had the two king, uh, kingdoms going in, in existence. Right after, it looks like right after Habakkuk came around, then the kingdom of Israel eventually will fall to the Syrian invasion in 722 uh, B.C. And then eventually, then after Habakkuk II, the, uh, the Babylonians come and take the kingdom of Judah in 587 B.C. So we got all that going on. So that's kind of a background. And all the prophets uh, during this, this tumultuous time of the two kingdoms, and then the, and then the northern kingdom exists, and, the southern king, and then the southern kingdom exists, these, this is when the pro prophetic literature pops out with Isaiah, Jeremiah, you pick your pr prophet. But Habakkuk is kind of unusual because he's saying, okay, now it's been uh, tumultuous and, and really uh, uncertain. We don't know if the Assyrians are coming down. We don't know if the Babylonians or the Egyptians are coming from the south. And can you just fix things? And why are you letting this happen? And Habakkuk is really asking God. So you'll see that there. Okay, and then in, in this, uh, this coming Sunday's uh, Psalm is 95, and all of us priests and deacons who do uh, the, um, the, the breviary, many of you don't know, but we priests and deacons are asked, and bishops are asked to do the, our divine office, which basically is a five-point series where we have morning, uh, daytime, evening, and nighttime, and then one big long prayer we can do anytime throughout the day. And every morning we do this uh, Psalm 95, so I know this by heart, it's just because we say it every day, but it's a different translation, so when I blurt it out, it'd be a different translation. I, with Psalm 95, I just want you to pay attention to how every time this Psalm pops up, and every morning when we say it, uh, it it's a reminder of that, 
that really difficult time when Moses led the Israelites in the desert into the promised land for 40 years, and it was difficult. And they were compensating and, and bellyaching through all this, and, and so you see that there at the, at the last verse there. Then with Timothy, we see Paul. Timothy was a bishop, and Paul is, is encouraging Timothy, and he's really, he's really got a great love for Timothy. And then in, this, in this, this coming weekend, Paul is reminding Timothy, by the way, you remember the imposition of hands? Now, what is the imposition of hands? What sacrament is that? Holy orders, right? Where the, the uh, priest lays his hands on top. So if you watch a, an, an ordination like Steve did twice, at least, with his two sons, um, it's a long, drawn-out process where it's, in, it's with the, the, the Eucharist, and you think, okay, now when's it going to happen? And it happens when each man, whether it be deacon, uh, priest, or bishop, walks to the bishop, kneels down, and then the bishop lays his hands on their head and says a prayer. And then that's when, that's when they're zapped, as I always say, right there at that moment. Uh, the also, too, can re refer to the imposition, too, of hands, where what other sacrament do we have where the bishop will lay hands on people's heads? Confirmation, right? The sacrament of confirmation. So it could be a reference to that, but probably it's reference to uh, uh, Timothy's ordination as a, a deacon, priest, and then a bishop there. And he remembers, too, that when, you, when, you do, when we get uh, ordained, that we're, we're, the imposition is, uh, is the Holy Spirit on, in us and on us. So all of us who have been confirmed, when we pray for the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to look outward. Where's the Holy Spirit? We got, it's right here. The confirmation is when the bishop confirms the Holy Spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit's at, that's where the confirmation comes into play there. Okay? Now... Jesus could have picked any mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a, you, all your faith needs to be the size of a mustard seed. Well, he could have picked any seed because it's small. Why a mustard seed plant? Well, in the, in the rabbinic tradition, a mustard seed plant is like, a, uh, like Johnson grass. It takes over. And it's even bigger than Johnson grass. So Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven to a plant that you don't want in your backyard. And that's the kingdom of heaven. So we always think of kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is going to be the path of least resistance or the path of joy. But Jesus is pointing out, -uh, not necessarily. Okay, so this unwanted plant, this is what we got here. And then the second thing I want to point out then after he gets through with that, then he talks about a servant who serves. And, and when he comes in after a long day... What is, the, what is the master going to say? Hey, oh yeah, you worked hard, have a seat here. No, you get up and put on an apron and serve me. And that's a, the message is very clear that it's all about, hey, uh, we can all serve. You, you don't need a, to be a rocket scientist to be a servant, to be a slave. And so whatever we can do to serve God's kingdom, that's exactly what God's going to do, however small it might be, serve God's kingdom. In, in very small and simple ways, as, as a servant would then. Okay? Okay. We are now, thank you, Father, for that uh, uh, insights, those insights there. And it is good to get it ahead of time, you know, before you're, that's why we've been doing mass prep this whole time, so we're ready for our mass when we get there. I will uh, now introduce our uh, speaker, Steve Melosia. A lot of you guys know him. He's from St. Joseph Parish. Um, and he will tell you, I'm sure, about himself. If you read the bio, he has 12 children, six boys, six girls. 
And uh, two of his, I think four of your sons were in the seminary. Two of them discerned out, but two of them went on to be ordained. Uh, and he's going to talk about the importance of getting your family to Sunday Mass. But I got to share with you how it came about. Um, uh, a little backstory: when Father Huber was at Immaculate Conception in Arnold, he would always, if he said, I had a Holy Spirit moment once, he said it 150,000 times. But he, uh, uh, but he always encourages us to listen for the Holy Spirit. Like when people are talking up here, be listening. The Holy Spirit's working through the person here, and is working in you to be open to that and be receptive. Well, I was trying to get a hold of, uh, in, our, in that vivid vision, if you look on the page of what a CTM man looks like, uh, the 11 topics that you see there are what we're covering in 2022 at these monthly events. And one of those topics is he gets his family to Sunday Mass. And I was at a um, um, Knights of Columbus thing on the other side, and I sat at Steve's table, and he was talking about, he shared a story about his son in the, in the band at Windsor School and about his children all being active. And I thought, I said to Dennis, uh, who, who uh, is the operations guy for the CTM, I said, I think we should see if Steve will speak on that topic. I mean, it seems like he would be pretty qualified. And uh, Dennis agreed, and I, would, I emailed Steve, I called, and you know how emails are and voicemails. We get them and we delete them or we forget about them. I do it. And uh, I, I just wasn't having any luck. And then I saw Steve at early mass one time, and I was kneeling praying. By the time I got up, he was gone. And I thought, maybe he's not supposed to give the talk. And uh, lo and behold, it was the following Monday, I'm in Lowe's, and, I, and I'm buying some rags. And I didn't really need the rags, but I said, hey, well, I'm here, I'm going to go get the rags. And I asked somebody, where are the rags? And, oh, aisle C10 or whatever it was. And I'm going down the aisle, and I walk past Steve and Beverly, and I go, and then I got my towels, of course. But I'm walking back, and I just kind of stood there because I didn't want to interrupt. He, he and Beverly were talking about something they were, project they were working on. So I waited, and then I introduced myself, and I, he said, yeah, I think I saw that, but I and I asked him if he would, I would send him some information and if he would come and talk. And he was thinking the same thing I was. There's no such thing as a coincidence there. There was some reason we were in that aisle at the same time, even though we couldn't hook up the other way. So without further ado, please welcome Steve. I feel inspired to recognize our priest here tonight, Father Huber. Father is a man who represents the holy priesthood of Jesus Christ. He is not just any man, but Alter Christus, another Christ, who through his vocation of sacrifice, service, and suffering brings to us the holy sacrifice of the Mass for our salvation. Father, I, I know I can speak on behalf of every man in this room tonight, saying that there are truly no words that can 
express our unending gratitude for you and your vocation. Thank you, Father. It was Monday. Well, let's go to Lowe's. And this guy comes up to me and says, hey, Steve, and you know, I, I think I've seen him before. And he, and he started talking about how he bumped into me before. And uh, he said part of CTM were men helping men. Meaning that we're, we're, we're trying to do the best we can to live the vocation we have been given by God as husbands and fathers, and to get better. And knowing that we are called to holiness, another vocation that every Christian has, love God, love neighbor. Knowing that we are called to holiness, that we want to be authentic Catholic men helping other men. And, and he talked about, there's, if, if we talk about certain topics each meeting, that we, we could meet this goal. And he, and he said, Steve, I, I thought you might want to speak about this topic called uh, getting, my fam get, getting his family to Sunday Mass. And I said, I'll, I'll think about that. I mean, I don't normally stand up in front of everyone and want to prepare. When, when is this going to be? Well, I'll send you an email. Pick a date. So I picked this date. And, uh, and I prayed about that week, and, and, and the next weekend I, 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 I sent him an email that says, I'll, I'll do it. And it struck me, get his family to Sunday Mass. If anyone came up to me, and there's no coincidences, I, I believe that. If anyone ever came up to me and says, Steve, what, what do you want one day, when you're six feet under the ground, what, what do you want put on your, chiseled on your tombstone? All I want is get his family to Sunday Mass. Or in other words, get his family to God. That's what we're talking about here, gentlemen. That's what we're talking about here. Everything in life begins with God, continues with God, ends with God. The holy sacrifice of the Mass is God himself. And to be successful in, a, in our vocation and grow in holiness begins by participating in the Holy Mass on the Lord's Day, period. Then we are sent forth, strengthened spiritually by Holy Mass to be disciples of the gospel, and to live our vocation as husbands and fathers with our head held high. You know, the name Mass is derived from the Latin word Missa, M-I-S-S-A, Missa, meaning to be sent or dismissed. Now, being in the military for 10 years, I heard that word a lot, dismissed. After we're encouraged, given our orders, strengthened by the mission, 
What was the last word we heard? Dismissed. So we are sent out or dismissed to live with the mystery celebrated and to be Christ to others, to evangelize the world by word and deed. The priest in dismissing the people. And you would see this in our most beautiful Latin mass, would say, ite missa est. Go, you have been dismissed. That's what that means. As husbands and fathers, our number one responsibility as a disciple, evangelizer, as the spiritual leader of our families is to get our wife and children to heaven. End of discussion. And it begins with the holy sacrifice of the mass. It begins with God. Beverly and I have learned over our lives, 40 years of marriage, how critically important it is to develop, nurture, and sustain the sacramental life of our children. Certainly, this is the most important thing we can do as parents. We believe it's absolutely critical to ensure every weekend our family's obligation of attending Holy Mass is fulfilled. This obligation must be paramount to everything you do on weekends in order to successfully prepare your, your children, your family for life and eternal life. As a father of 12 children, I cannot emphasize this enough. This has to be a priority for your entire family. What are you most proud of as parents? Just think about that. What are you most proud of as parents? Kids getting A's in high school, going to great college, great job. My son's in the military, makes six figures now, doing this, doing that. How many of our kids don't even go to Mass anymore. What am I most proud of? And all my kids are sinners. I'm a sinner. Thank God we have confession and receive absolution through our priest, from our priest. I'm most proud, despite all that, that every one of my children practice their faith, every single one, without Beverly I, I having to tell them, right down to my 15-year-old. That's what I'm most proud of. Yes, on my tombstone, I want, gets his family to Sunday Mass. It begins with God. How do we prepare for Mass? How are we preparing? 
us men, we're the spiritual leader of the family. It doesn't matter if your wife are light years above you. You see it sometimes like I do in mass. I see the wife dragging the kids. Where's the dad? Where's the father? Where's the spiritual leader of the family? But there's forgiveness. I love when Isaiah says, Come now, let us set things right, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as snow. We keep persevering. That was in one of the reasons. We keep persevering. But how do you prepare? Your kids, your grandkids. Life goes on. Your kids may be out of the house now. You still prepare. Yourself, your family, your kids. I don't care if they're 40 years old. You, you still set that example. My wife and I, we were having kids and we had kids right after we got married. Uh, I had the example from my father going to mass. Just an example, right? My father never spoke his faith, never discussed it. You know, he was a man like St. Francis of Assisi, you know. Speak the gospel always and when necessary use words. That was my father. By golly, he got his five kids to Holy Mass every Sunday, no matter what. One day I was looking at my dad. I'm some, some distracted teenager, 13 years old in my pew. You know, I see my father kneeling in the pew preparing for Mass. This is like 10 minutes before Mass, and he's talking to someone. I said, Mom, what? is Dad talking to himself? My, dad, my mom just smacked my arm and said, be quiet. Who do you think he's talking to? He's talking to God. I learned right then and there. Some snotty-nosed 13-year-old I was. That's a personal relationship right there. My mom dra dragged us during Easter vacation week to go to the Triduum Masses. Holy Thursday. I remember, I must have been eight years old, one of my earliest memories after I received my first Holy Communion. And it was at the end of Holy Thursday Mass when our beloved priests stripped the altar and had Jesus in the monstrance. He was caped in gold coming around Mass, singing the beautiful Latin song. And I'm just, you know, looking around, you know, sitting, sitting in my, on my butt, waiting to, 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 to get out of here. My mom slaps me again. Get on your knees. And I'm looking, get on that, you know, it's over. Wait, wait. She goes, there's Jesus. And right when I looked, there was a priest holding the monstrance coming right by me. What an impact. 
Just little things like that. Nothing was more important than attending Holy Mass. Nothing. I never saw my father. You know, he, he had pulled two jobs. He'd come home at 4.30 in the afternoon. I'd be playing stickball in the street. I grew up in New York. We played stickball a lot in the streets. And she'd call me for dinner at 4 o'clock. And all my buddies are going to say, what? It's four, we just got home from school. You're having dinner? Because my, we want, my mom wanted us kids, us five kids, to eat dinner with my father before he went off for another six, seven, eight-hour job that he had to be at at 5 o'clock so he could put food on the table. I never saw my father many years growing up except during those times. And it was Holy Mass, and before he left us kids, after that dinner at 4 o'clock, was to go to each of us and say, I love you. I love you. That's all I remember growing up. How important our faith was. So, we talked about obligation as parents, attending, making sure that our obligation of attending Holy Mass is fulfilled. Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. That's what we're talking about. The third commandment. I think Jesus makes it really clear in the 15th chapter of John when he says, if you, could, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke said, Jesus said, and this is dealing with the, the two foundations, right? Rock and sand, but I love the first line of that gospel. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but, but not do what I command? But the one who listens and does not act is like a person who's built his house on a ground without a foundation. The one who listens but does not act. How do you prepare for Holy Mass? When do you start preparing for Holy Mass? Growing up with kids every other year for 24 years, I was changing diapers in my 50s. But let me tell you something. When do you prepare for Mass? With all that's going on around you, the soccer games, 
Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, everything you had to do. Right now, what are you doing now? Oh, it's, we're, we're coming up on hunting season. How are we preparing for mass? Going on the weekend with the guys. We're hunting this whole weekend. Hey, dude, is there a chapel in the woods I'm not aware of? Matt talked about preparing our families, and he, he briefly mentioned all my children went to Windsor Public High School, and uh, my first son, my second child, was in the Windsor High School Golden Brigade, and um, they were going big, popular, very good marching band. And they were going down to Disney World this weekend for four days, from Friday to Tuesday. And uh, they were going to play in Disney World. They had to have fundraisers, buy plane tickets, buy tickets, get to Disney World. And Disney was going to have them in a special place to play for the crowd. And this is the year 2000. Then it was like 800 bucks. And we did the fundraisers. We raise the money, get them going. And then it was, finally it was coming. Spring is here. Been preparing for this for like five, six months. They're leaving like in the spring. And I got the itinerary, the itinerary from the Windsor Band president of the Parents Association. And I'm looking at the itinerary from when they leave St. Louis and fly out Friday morning to everything they're doing the whole weekend to Monday, right till they get back to St. Louis. And there was nothing in there regarding our children and going to Holy Mass or even anything for the Protestants. Nothing. I mean, this was detailed right to the every 15 minutes, this itinerary. So I called up the president. Hi, this is Stephen Melosha. Looking at the itinerary, I said, is there an opportunity to, for my son to go to Holy Mass? He said, oh, uh, Mr. Melosha, I, well, no, we, we didn't plan that, but I said, yeah, this is really important. And he said, well, you know, and he wasn't Catholic, but he was a Christian. And, uh, he said, well, I, I know some Catholics here, and they, and they said that, um, you know, they're, they're not taking their children to, to Mass. Some of them were actual escorts. Some parents went there to be escorts. Not just, we just didn't send 200 kids on this thing with no escorts, right? And he said, well, these Catholic uh, parents said that uh, didn't bring this up like it was a problem. I said, yeah, it's, it's a real problem. We call it mortal sin. He goes, really? He goes, is that serious? I, yeah. I said, how serious? He says, well, if you're not going to make any changes or help my son, he's not going. He had a key position in the band. And he goes, I understand how important it is now. Well, guess what? He says, I'll get back to you. 48 hours, he called me back. He had a... He had one of the parents driving my son 
to that big cathedral or church that I was told it's near Catholic Church, near Disney World. Not only that, he made an announcement to everyone else, and there were others that decided to go. Uh, Mother Teresa said, obedience, St. Mother Teresa, since we're talking about obligations, obedience is the most perfect act of love for God. I obey not because I'm afraid, but because I love Jesus. Gentlemen, brothers, with faith comes obedience. With faith comes obedience. Obedience is the most perfect act of love for God. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. What is faith? We talk about our Catholic faith all the time. Faith is the theological virtue by which we believe in God and believe all that he has said and revealed to us and that the Holy Church proposes for our belief because he is truth itself. Virtue. Faith is a theological virtue, a gift from God, a holy habit. The church teaches that Catholics are obliged under the pain of mortal sin to attend Holy Mass. If you fail, go to confession. Go to confession. It's absolutely critical to ensure every weekend your family's obligation of attending Holy Mass is fulfilled. This is a matter of life and death. Are you willing to die for your faith? Are you willing to die for your wife and kids? Are you willing to die for God? Holy Mass. So what is the Holy Mass? The Mass, as you probably well know, is a sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is a supreme act of worship offered unto Almighty God, whereby a priest takes a victim, usually a human being, a living being, excuse me, usually a living being, and destroys it as an act of supreme recognition that God is the creator and source of all life. And the sacrifice of the mass is not the mere sacrifice of men. It is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus himself is the priest, and he offers not the blood of some animal, but his own blood. He is a victim. Jesus offers, through the ministry of the ordained priest, 
his very own body and blood, his very life, the life of the only Son of God to the Father in sacrifice as the most perfect act of worship in which alone the Father is well pleased. That is why to participate in the holy sacrifice of the Mass is the greatest good you can do in the sight of, of Almighty God this side of heaven. For you are participating not in the work of men, but in the work of Jesus Christ himself. There is nothing greater you can do in your life, nor anything more beneficial to your salvation than to participate well in the holy sacrifice of the mass. To bear participate well, we have to be prepared. In offering himself to the Father, Jesus offers to him four things. The most perfect act of adoration, thanksgiving, atonement, and intercession. These are called the four ends of the Holy Mass, the primary reason why the Holy Mass is offered. First of all, by offering himself in sacrifice, Jesus offers the most perfect adoration to Almighty God, recognizing him as the supreme being to which all praise and adoration is due. This is true justice, gentlemen, to render unto God his due. And where Adam failed to offer justice to God, Christ came as a man and accomplish this for all of us. Number two, in offering his own life, Jesus gives back to God the most perfect act of thanksgiving and gratitude for all God has done for us, for all of his blessings. In fact, the sacrifice of the mass is of such value that God considers a greater repayment to him of greater value than all the blessings he has given to mankind. This is what the Eucharist means, thanksgiving, where we offer back to God in gratitude the greatest possible gift there is, the very life of his son, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The Mass is also the most perfect act of atonement. For the sacrifice of Christ, overwhelmingly atones for all of our sins, all the sins of men, and satisfies the justice of God, which is so inflamed. Whereas man's disobedience so greatly offended God, Christ was obedient even unto death on the cross. And God's satisfaction at the perfect obedience of his son far outweighs the offense he received at the disobedience of men. The atoning power of mass is so great, in fact, that by merely attending it well, all venial sins are forgiven. And if you are in the state of grace, the temporal punishment due to mortal sin is greatly diminished. 
Every time you go to Holy Mass, your time in purgatory is lessened and your place in heaven raised. How frequently are we all to attend Holy Mass? How often do you attend Holy Mass? This is why it is so important to remember to have Masses offered for our deceased loved ones to atone for their sins so that they might quickly attain the kingdom of heaven. Finally, the Mass is offered as the most powerful intercession. On the cross, Jesus prayed for us all and obtained for us all the forgiveness of our sins. We know that. The intercessory power of the Holy Mass is so great that any good you, any good you bring to God during Mass, any petition you place on the altar in faith, God will give it to you. How we ought to pray for ourselves, for our children, our families, our loved ones, our neighbors, co-workers, our nation, and for all at the holy sacrifice, the Mass. There is no moment in your life where prayers are more powerful or where God is so well disposed to answer any good request. For the Holy Mass is nothing less than the very sacrifice offered by Christ on Calvary. The only difference is that it is offered in an unbloody form. The Mass is the entire Paschal mystery, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ made present in our midst. It is truly the source and summit of our faith. For everything God has revealed to man is reenacted and made present at every single Holy Mass. So my brothers, in summary, by the Mass, we offer to God the greatest praise, the greatest glory he could possibly desire. We give him the most perfect thanks for all the benefits he has bestowed on us. We make more reparation for our faults than by the severest penances, and there's no better moment to present our petitions. Get your family to Sunday Mass. Nothing on this earth Nothing in heaven itself gives more glory to God and obtains more benefits for us than a single mass. The mass is the greatest wonder in the world. There is nothing on earth equal to it, and there is nothing in heaven greater than it. Someone, some people say the next greatest wonder is the indifference and ignorance of Catholics regarding Holy Mass. How is it that many of our fellow Catholics do not fulfill their obligation weekly and go to Holy Mass? We all could think of reasons. I think about these two a lot. 
Paul in Galatians chapter 5 says, I say then, live by the Spirit, and you will certainly not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the flesh has desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you may not do what you want. Who sends their kids off to college hoping for the best when they haven't been practicing mass for four years in high school? <clears throat> Paul's letter in Ephesians, yes, flesh against our spirit, but look what Paul said in Ephesians. This is battle against evil. Finally, draw your strength from the Lord and from his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so they may be able to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. There is a devil. There is Satan. There are the fallen angels, the demons. I don't know. A lot of people don't believe that. But there is. And guess who he goes for first? The men in this room. Not the ones who aren't going to Mass. He's going for us. You know who he goes for mostly? He doesn't sleep, eat, or drink. Our priests. Our priests. Paul says, put on the armor of God that you may be able to re resist on the evil day, and having done everything to hold your ground, we're being prepared with, by each other, going to Holy Mass, to hold our ground. And what's that armor? He said, hold faith as a shield to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit the sword of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God. You will, what, what sword are you willing to fall on? Mine is the word of God. Mine is God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. Just meditate on that for a year. My brothers, as you know, one cannot talk about Holy Mass, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, without speaking about our Holy Priest, Altar Christus, I'd like to tell you a true story that to this day still moves me and powerfully emphasizes the importance of the priesthood. Back in 1945, at the end of World War II, in its catastrophic defeat, Germany was unfortunately divided into two separate nations, East Germany and West Germany. 
The communists who controlled East Germany tried to destroy the Roman Catholic Church. They rounded up, imprisoned, and executed hundreds and hundreds of our priests. In no time at all, there were no priests for many of those parishes throughout East Germany. East German Catholics were trying to come to grips with the enormity of what was happening. In, in, in churches, the parishes, like this one, they would gather up on Sundays, they would, they would meet and they would gather up the vestments of the missing priests and lay them on the altar. And every Sunday, the parishioners would enter the church, gaze upon these vestments, and all they could do was pray and weep. Weep for the loss that was almost too much to bear the loss of the holy priesthood. Saint Ignatius Martyr said that the priesthood is the most sublime of all created dignities. Priests are the glory and pillars of the church, the doors and doorkeepers of heaven. St. Thomas said the dignity of the priesthood surpasses even that of the angels. St. Francis of Assisi used to say, if I saw an angel and a priest, I would bend my knee first to the priest and then to the angel. St. Augustine said that to pardon a sinner is a greater work than create heaven and earth. To pardon a single sin requires all the omnipotence of God. St. Ambrose called the priestly office a divine profession. And St. Alphonsus said, the entire church cannot give God as much honor or obtain so many graces as a single priest by celebrating a single mass. The Holy Mass, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, the Blessed Sacrament, all names to describe the Eucharist. In the Eucharist is found that which is the heart of the church, Christ himself. And it is only through our priest that we can have the holy sacrifice of the mass, the source and summit of our faith. My brothers in Christ, Everything in life begins with God, ends with God, and continues with God. Get your family.
to Sunday Mass. Get your family to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you for your attention. I, uh, Matthew, you, you asked me about a call to action. I know you, you had some questions. Yeah, we're going to do a panel, but if you have a call to action, go right ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a question and a call to action. Gentlemen, first of all, and this is something I haven't done my whole life, but like you, I'm on, a, I'm on a pilgrimage and I think all these things, what I need to do throughout my lives. Number one is, is frequent confession a practice for you and your family? First, you've got to ask, what is frequent confession? Church says we're obliged to go once a year. Think that's enough? The devil wants to tell you that's enough. That's enough. Once. Don't go anymore. I'll skip skip that one time once in a while. Frequent confession. This year, I, I've been trying myself to go once a month. I found out that. If you haven't been going very often, you become the person you don't want to be again. Again. Confession. Why is it the best kept secret in the Catholic Church? Why? Try once a month. Try once a month. My sons are encouraging me to go once a week. Try once a month. Another question. How often do you attend Holy Mass? Can you attend more? Has God given you the grace to go more? I see my son, one of my sons. I'm not going to name names. You know, he's got a, he's got a schedule. His work shifted. You know, he works now from like three to 10. Come home a couple of times after his work shifted from mornings to evenings. And I, what you been doing? You have an opportunity to go to Holy Mass, throw in another one. That's all I have to say. Throw in another one. Yeah, dad, yeah, I know. We got a big target on back, guys. We have to grow. Christ give us, gives us holy communion to be strong spiritually. Flesh against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. Could you go twice a week? Can you? Will you? Calvary's right at your door, driving distance. How often do you pray with your family? Raising all these kids. I'm no big model. 
but we said prayers as good Catholics at the meal prayer, at bedtime with our children, kneeling. We have holy pictures everywhere in our house to remind us. Do you have, do you have holy pictures hanging on your walls? Cover them. Get the holy water font at your front door. The holy water font at your front door. Do all that. What about daily prayer with your family, besides meal prayer and night prayers? You know what I've learned just three years ago? The most powerful prayer? Finally got off my butt and started doing it? Rosary. Daily rosary. Daily rosary. Did I say daily rosary? About 13 to 15 minutes. Our Blessed Mother takes your prayers, your prayers that we stumble and bumble through, takes it to her son, who will deny her nothing. Try that. Try, try saying the daily rosary. Try it for a month. A month. The family that prays together stays together. So they're just three challenges, gentlemen. Frequent confession. Mass more than once a week. Daily prayer with your family. Not by yourself. Not by yourself. And the quick, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts. No, we're not talking about that. Something above and beyond. It may feel a cross at first, but we can do it. <laughs> I do have a question for our fathers while we're kind of milling around here then. So, uh, Steve made a comment about how important it is that we prepare. So I want to ask our fathers here, uh, how do they prepare for the holy sacrifice of the Mass? Then? What, are the, what are some of the things that you guys do? Uh, well, we're, we're going to Holy Mass, you know, heaven on earth, okay? Heaven on earth. We're in the presence of Almighty God, receiving God. Everything, put it under this, everything has to be done with reverence. From the clothes you pick out, from the clothes you pick out, to how you hold yourself at Mass. So even the night before you... Oh, yeah. You know, walking in Mass late and all of that, we're in the presence of Almighty God. Prepare. Get there early. Dress as your as, as God's God's there. There 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 are people we know. I was one of them. Showed up in jeans and a T-shirt, flip flops. How about you guys? So Steve hits on a good point here of, you know, picking out good clothes. But my preparation starts really the evening before. 
Um, a lot of times it'll be with uh, confession. So I try to go to confession Saturday afternoon. Um, and then getting up in the morning, getting the family ready, getting dressed. And I mean, that takes a little bit of time to dress up, you know, especially getting three kids ready and dressed up and out the door to mass. But then trying to get there about 15 minutes before mass. And I have a series of prayers that I pray in my missile before mass, you know. So that takes about 15 to 20 minutes of prayer time before mass to, to get ready. You know, I try to read the readings a couple of times before, before Sunday so that I know what's, you know what's going on. If I get a chance, I'll you know, try to find a reflection from somebody. Um, Sunday morning is chaos in my house, and we don't have 12 kids, but it's chaos. Um, Jennifer sings at Mass, and so she's trying to always go early. But we do try to, uh, you know, get up early enough to get there. I like to, uh, now anymore, I like to get there early enough to get a full rosary in, you know, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, in Mass, or in church. Um, my older kids, I fight and try to get them to make sure they get there before Mass starts, um, and they usually do. Um, but yeah, so it's getting better. Um, I don't have the weekly confession habit at all, but I, I uh, envy that. But yeah. The one thing that I did whenever I had young children with my boys, I would get get there early, get in the front row, and I would pray with my eyes closed for five or ten minutes, preparing for mass hoping that they were watching me and then I, as I watched them grow up and as I see them today at 37 and 34, they pray very similar to the way I did. And um, I continue to do that for their children now and that's one thing I do. There, there's, a, um, there's a family I know that enticed their children, now these were a little bit, these were a little bit smaller children, uh, to, to, to uh, to encourage your children to go to more confession, like monthly confession, they would, up in uh, Assumption in O'Fallon, Missouri, they had Saturday evening confessions. And I used to be there, I used to go there quite a bit after Mass, and, and then what they would do is, uh, they would say, okay, now after we're gonna go to confession, then we're gonna go get some ice cream. And see how the, they, they connect the two things. What kid does it, it? It's a connection in your brain. The dopamine in your brain now is you're getting a dopamine high and you're drawing the two that can, together. So have you done anything creative like that before? So I, I wouldn't call it bribery either. I, I would call it just connecting the good things, you know. So that's what I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've done that, and I, I think what I try to stress is the the dogmatic nature of the faith and the seriousness of it, the obligation, as Steve would say, but I always try to interject some kind of love. Um, you know, each kid, had, and now I have nine grandkids, so I have, there's something different about each one of them that I pick out and try to um, encourage encourage them even though I'm pretty strict about you know 
when they're in mass, they're participating in mass. So I, I haven't had to do that. I've been very fortunate. Um, my oldest just was able to go to confession for the first time this year, and he was so excited about it. Like, So that was very encouraging, and he's probably been to confession more times this year than I had been in the first 20 years of my life, you know. Um, so he sees it as a really important thing. But what's cool is I can stress this importance because he really likes watching football. He loves football. So Saturday afternoons, we sit down and watch college football. And right in the middle of a game, we shut off the TV and we go get up and go to confession, you know. Um, 3.30 in the afternoon, that's kind of a prime time for football. And so we shut it down and he realizes like, this is way more important than football. This is more important than anything else, so. Yeah, I, you know, my kids, most of them, well, they're our youngest are in high school, um, Catholic, Our Lady grade school, Pius High School. And, you know, I, I wish I could say that I encouraged reconciliation confession more but I kind of rely on the fact that at a Catholic school they're going at least Christmas and Easter and uh, yeah I haven't okay. I haven't personally done any more as far as that for confession for them now so we have a number of guys here that might have is are now just starting to get into going to church and everything else and then it, it's get doesn't it get kind of awkward when you're okay I'm I'm drawn to this now how do I get my family drawn to this if I'm drawn to this for the first time I know JP you're a recent convert how do you how do you guys suggest that it, it how do you get people on fire if, if the if the man's on fire how do you get the rest of the children on fire and do is it a stage thing or what do you do there How do you encourage the rest of your family to? How do you get them excited about the faith? Yeah, if you well, the, the kids pick up the faith like they pick up the language. I'm I'm just speaking from my own experience. Okay, the, the kids will pick up the faith as they pick up the language. Right? You can teach kids how many languages when they're two years old. Right? And and that that's the truth. They, you know. They, they, they see the results. They see the blessings. Happiness. You know, uh, yeah, happiness. Uh, you know, all my children, they're, they're even today, they're, they're best friends with each other. I mean, it's, uh, and, and, and we talk about frequent confession. Remember, we're talking about the sacramental life of the church, right? And confession gives every one of us especially us men, spiritual leaders of family. It, it, it gives us the graces. To, we are able to unle unleash the graces God give us better with frequent confession. It allows you to greatly live out your vocation as husbands and fathers, frequent confession. If you just went once a year, your kids just went once a year, you know, they could be picked off, you know, flesh against the spirit, right? 
you know, father's, father's question was, for you new guys that may have come off of an ax retreat and maybe you're looking at, is that what kind yeah, of your question yeah, is, yeah, is, is what maybe you should do? I think that um, children catch more than they're, they, what's, they, they catch more than what is taught. They, it's caught. And if, if you were excited about going and you have an authority as a father that they will pick up on, and I was, when Steve was speaking, I, I wrote down, I said, um, only a father can speak the way he does. He's got such um, compassion, or not compassion, such passion in his love for the church and the sacraments and all, and it's, um, but when you're, when you're doing that as a father, your children will notice and they will follow. Yeah, it's interesting, I was, similar comment, you know, I'm thinking of my kids, the, the four older ones all went through high school while I was having once a week guys in my basement talking about God, and as Jim Adams in here, but drinking beer and talking God. Um, and it might be that they're boys and that the other ones, the, the younger two are girls, but I've never once questioned the faith of my four boys, but both girls, and again, it might just be that they're girls, but they didn't go through high school, you know, because they, they're seniors now, so they were barely in high school when, you know, COVID killed most things. Um, and so the, the basement meetings stopped. And, uh, and, it's in, and I just, I hadn't really put those two things together until just now, but being an example, being, letting, you know, like Kent said, they, they catch more than you teach them. They, they witness what you're, how you're witnessing and, and they will follow that lead more than anything. I, I do want to offer this and so what Matt just struck something with me too. So all you men who are really coming off of Acts and want to get on fire and you want to bring your um, your your um, your family in it and, and Logan, you converted lately and you had to carry and you, it took a while for your wife to get on board. She was and she she's now I, we just confirmed her uh, Catholic and everything, and 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 Logan had that same issue. I, I just want to suggest so you, when you're on fire, you want to get your family on fire, right? And don't do that by yourself. Uh, in business, they say if you're going to do something important, bring a team. So when Matt, when you were talking, uh, start off maybe with inviting your Axe brothers for a Bible study using formed. You know, we got that formed in our St. Joe's and our ladies. Use it. Uh, I see and, and Arnold, I think they had it, uh, and use those things and then bring men and let your, let your family see these men on fire. That will be a big deal there. Any, any thoughts there? So what, what you, there's a, there was a Pew study out that, um, so you, you know this Pew study, that it, does, it does a study on the psychological health of Americans every November, and then in December they publish it. And this is the, the health, okay? So in 2020, I remember this. In 2020, they, they, did, a, they did their study on, on in, and you know what happened in 2020, in, no, in November, we were in, in the uh, COVID period, and then they asked the question, okay, and one of the questions they ask is, what is the happiness level? And go figure, at the time, most Americans, their happiness level dropped significantly during that period. 
except one group and actually went up three points. Does anybody know what that one group was? Those who go to church weekly, their happiness level went up three points during the COVID. And this was Protestant or Catholic, but we Catholics believe that the most transcendent moment that we experience, as Steve just pointed out, is when you, walk, when you go to Mass, and especially when you walk up, you're, you're having a tr the most transcendent moment you can, the most godly moment, otherworldly moment that you can have is at that moment when you're receiving Jesus, soul and divinity. And we live in a world that brings our families down. And as Steve so beautifully pointed out, the greatest gift you offer your, your family is, is God. And, and, and with that comes happiness, not as the world sees it, you guys remember, you guys know, know those words, right? Who said that, Paul? Not as the world sees it, uh, but as God sees it. Happiness, true happiness. That's transcendent happiness. So any more thoughts then? Any questions out there in the audience here then? What do you do when, when you, you weren't actively sharing the faith when your kids are little now they're all grown up what do you do then how do, how do you get them on fire then how do you recover from the time that you lost any thoughts sir my, my first suggestion is pray the rosary for them I, I mean that first place you need to go is to the rosary take it to mary and pray that every single day pray for their conversion and so what the man was saying is, uh, if you got a child, an adult child that lives elsewhere in, in the country, then go and visit them and then go to Mass. And then as St. Francis taught us more, uh, that's where, how you're preaching the gospel through your action then. The Catholic Church has so much literature. We, we have Holy Scripture, of course, but so much beautiful literature that describes Holy Mass. So if... Uh, you know, my sister left the church for 30 years and she came back and, uh, uh, you know, St. Monica gives us a good example talking about the never-ending prayer. And again, I, I, I talked about those petitions we make. The best time in the universe to do it is during Holy Mass. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Never stop giving the invitation to go with you to Holy Mass. You know, there, there's so many beautiful little booklets out there in our churches that describe exactly what Holy Mass is. Many Catholics don't know what the Mass is, especially when it's turned away from Christ. And it's, there's so many distortions out there that it's, 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 it's terrible. But... Uh, the holy sacrifice give your petitions yeah and and talk with charity to them you know don't be pushy let them know how important it is to you and again show them that example um you know the and as guys at least me myself personally i tend to put everything off i'll do it later i'll get to it i'll get to it i'll get to it and I don't know if it's a Chinese proverb or what it is, but when's the best time to plant a tree if you want shade? 
yesterday mm -hmm. when's the second or no 20 years ago when's the second best time today now right now um, the other thing there is you know Steve was talking about resources catholicscomehome.org I think it's probably .org might be .com but but that website is full of stories of people who left the church and then came back and they're telling their stories or telling what brought them back and watching some of those yourself can give you hope and also might give you one that you can share with them that you might find someone that's in a similar situation. I do like what Steve was talking about too, the mission. What, what man doesn't like a mission? And, and we, we are part of the greatest mission. I, I just love that. Any thoughts here, you guys, on that? Well, uh, you know, as a spiritual leader of the family, the way you go is the way your family will go, you know? So, so a lot of you young men who are having, have young children right now, you know, um, again, they'll, they'll, they will catch the faith you know, and uh, you know, I'm not saying we <laughs> we all sin. That, that's going to happen, but uh, we got the sacraments, and uh, God will will never leave us. You know, it may take some of you with your children a lot of years to get them back, but uh, you know, have faith they will. You know, they'll come back, and. Uh, and and when you have a, when you have a trauma that happens to your family, take advantage of it. There was a, a family that just lost uh, about four months ago. Just lost their 16-year-old um, daughter to a car accident out there on Highway 8 in St. Francis County. And then we had the funeral mass. And I'm not going to let that trauma happen without making a stab at this. And, and the mother's coming back to church, and then three of her cousins, the 16-year-old who died, three of her cousins were not confirmed, and now they're going through instructions along with their, their moms and dads after Mass. Then one of the daughter's um, uh, boyfriends is becoming Catholic, all because of the death of a 16-year-old girl and the pain and suffering that that caused. Pain and suffering is very, very important. Let's not let it go to waste. Take advantage of those traumas for Jesus. And that's the key there. Logan, you had something? Yeah, Steve. And right. Sometimes there can be distortions in mass. Mm -hmm. um, with you, you what they hear. things online. I don't know of any locally, but uh, extravagant masses or disco ball yeah. Ridiculous yeah. How important is uh, it to make a priority to go to a beautiful or reverent liturgy? Yeah. Yeah. It's life and death. I would. It just like Steve said when his son was going to go to Disney and play in that that band thing. The first thing he did when he noticed that he that his son wasn't going to be able to go to mass was he called the president and said, "Wait a minute, this isn't going to work." And that's really what a father should do. He should lead by um, by action and make sure that his children are, are going to a good liturgy. I mean, if it's, if it's something crazy or if it's, even if it's just something that's not very good, I would look, I would do something about it as a father. I don't, because 
that your children can lose, um, I mean, they can drift and you don't, you don't want that. Yeah, I think this goes. That? Absolutely, that was great, uh, 100%. I mean, you know, you, you know the faith, you, you educate yourself on the faith, and there, there'll be distortions and mistakes out there, and you, you're the first teacher of the faith. You, your house is the domestic church. You know, you can say what is right and wrong and back it up. You know, we have a catechism, we have the teachings of the church, you know. Uh, so it's, it's, it's important. Uh, yes, you can find some bad stuff on the internet, you're right. But we, we gotta be prepared, you know. And, uh, you know, attitudes are caught and, and it, your, your children see your attitude of reverence. It's not about us at Mass. Let, let's get that straight right now. Mass is not about us. It's God, okay, it's Jesus Christ offering himself. That's what it's about, okay. Yeah, and I go back to what Kent said, it's caught and not taught. And so if you see, if you go to a mass and there's bizarre stuff going on, I would get your family out of there as quick as possible. Um, find a different mass, Do you know, Fortunately, we live in an age where there's mass almost all day long in most major cities. You know, you can find another mass. Um, because there's more scandal that comes from within the church than without, right? So if, if you end up at a mass that has weird things going on or the priest is unfortunately is preaching heresy or something like that then you need to get your family out of there because it's causing more damage than if they're hearing it from a protestant source and the gentleman the ctm mindset is don't do things by yourself get as many men as possible to that your the process your children need them if you witness, if one man does a great job witnessing to your children and your grandchildren, how much better would two or three or four? So you need to get them together as best you can. And so I want to communicate. So uh, the, the, the man expressed that in Boy Scouts, they, they made sure that mass was available for the Boy Scouts. Otherwise, they weren't going to go to whatever it was that the Boy Scouts were going to go to. Um, and then I did remember what I was thinking about here, guys. Uh, we need t this. We need us men need each other. If we're going to grow, and if you men coming off the Acts retreat are going to continue to grow as a man, as a Christ-centered man, you need this. We got the men's cross training the first three uh, Thursdays of of this of uh, October and November here in this building, and then we got it down in St. Jen the first three Wednesdays, St. Jen and St. Francis County. This is how this is going to change. The number one factor in our children, in whatever it is, especially going to church, the number one factor, and the number two is not even close, you guys know what I'm going to say, right, is fathers. And if fathers are not there, surrogate masculinity works too. 
That's where the rubber hits the road. We can come up with why aren't our children, our grandchildren going to church? And it, 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 the answer is men, period. That's it. Okay. The, um, um, I want to thank the panel because they just kind of put themselves out here, didn't know what to expect because this is the first time we're, we're doing this format. So I want to thank Steve and Kent and Matt and Caleb and Father, Father for kind of doing the facilitating. I appreciate that to keep it going. Uh, I wish we had more time to take more questions, but you do have, um, it's really important for us to know what you thought of tonight. I, I, I beg you to take that survey and fill it out uh, and answer those questions. But, you know, Father mentioned the MCTs, and when I talked to Steve about an action item, that, you know, that's, Father talked about the rubber hitting the road. You know, we can come to these events like this month after month. We can go to Catholic Men for Christ conferences. We can go on retreats. But unless we do something, take some sort of action in our lives, the needle's never going to move if we never do anything. We, if you've been to an MCT, you know what I'm talking about with the, what am I gonna do now? And if you haven't, please come. There's cards on the table that outlines all the dates and where they're at. And it's one hour, it's not two hours like tonight. One hour, we start at seven promptly. We got a clock on the wall. And at eight o'clock, you're walking out the door. And in the meantime, you hear a good witness talk from a man just like any one of us, where he failed, he realized he made a mistake, probably from listening to someone else or seeing the actions of another man, and then he made changes to improve his life and become a better spiritual leader. And that's what we're called to be. Steve said it a dozen times, we are the spiritual leader. So those men's cross training sessions are built just for that. If you miss the first three, it doesn't matter. They don't build on each other. Come to whenever one you can. We'd love to have you there. And so those dates are there. That vivid vision, again, take it home. Uh, but, but that's how we're going to look. You know, Steve said monthly confession, if you can. Try for that. And praying with the family. And uh, the other one was, how often do you go to Holy Mass? Can you add one more? That's what we do at the MCTs. We, want, we challenge the men at the table. Find something in your life that isn't going right, a challenge, or a problem you're dealing with at work, at home, at, at church, and look at it and say, what, can I, what change can I make to make things different? It, it, simple, doable, realistic, but really it has to be something significant. Praying the rosary is a significant thing simply because, at, at, uh, I think Steve said it, we're, we're taking those prayers and giving them to the Blessed Mother and she's going to intercede on our behalf with Jesus. And do you guys tell your mother no? Or have, did you tell your mother no? It's hard to do that. And so that, these MCTs, these are, that, that's why we meet more often, is to move the needle. These once a month things, we can come and have pizza or a sandwich and good fellowship and hear a great talk. I think we heard a great talk tonight. And, uh, but if we don't do something, if we don't take some sort of action, then it was, you know, what, what worth is that? So anyway, I want to thank uh, Father Caleb, Matt, Kent, and Steve for sitting up here and putting themselves out there. So thank you guys. We don't know if we'll use this format next month or not. Um, uh, the topic next month is 
A CTM man loves his wife and shows it. Um, the uh, 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 Bob, Deacon Bob Eichelberger from Immaculate Conception in Arnold is our speaker. Uh, it's on the last Tuesday of the month. We invite you to come, but really important, bring someone with you next time. Just tell them your experience tonight and ask them to come along with you. Just one person and they'd have to move this wall down if, if we did that. That would be a great problem for us to tell Heather about, wouldn't it, Chris? Yeah, and Chris would take care of it, I know. Okay, so that's our thing for next month. And uh, is there any last-minute question? We have about a minute or two for any last-minute question somebody had for the panel. And then we'll go to petitions and prayers. Yes, sir. Yeah, okay, so why, why aren't our schools uh, encouraging daily mass and, and a mandatory daily mass because that's it mass right you're 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 literally hundreds of feet away from the church at the most so why don't we just truck them over there they're right there and there's already mass going on anyway right so why not have them participate in that mass um i do want to bring up again a lot of you ctm members know what i'm going to talk about here but the, the this ties into our we cannot rely on our institutions anymore can't do it we used these institutions, these Catholic institutions used to work during the age of Christendom, when we were the, the when the Christianity was a dominant political and social thought, when we didn't have a government pushing for trans whatever and sodomy and, and everything else. We are no longer the dominant political and social thought. Heck, we're not even the dominant theological thought right now, even in our own church. So what does that mean? We cannot rely on institutions anymore. Can't do it. Hospitals used to convert people. St. Vincent of Paul used to convert people. Oh, well, you're going to help me? I'm going to be Catholic. That does not do it anymore. Because we're not, it's just like the apostolic time from the time of Jesus till Constantine in 313. We were an underground church and we had to rely on small groups like us. And then Constantine brought it all up and we were able to rely on institutions. And we did a really good job with these institutions. They, they spread the faith. But we're no longer in Christendom anymore. We're in apostolic time and we're now, no longer the dominant philosophical thought. And that means institutions no longer work. That's why we brought Steve up here because small groups like families, like um, homeschooling, like CTM, that's the only thing that's going to work. But you know what will happen, have to do is, uh, and what's your name? Peter. Peter. Then you're going to say to, your, to the principal at the school and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to church with my kid, and they're going to miss science, but I don't care. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. One of the outgrowths of the MCTs, the men's cross-training sessions, is to form small men's groups. When you come off an axe retreat, I'm sure you guys that just came off one, you heard about get a part of a... There's a group here in St. Joe. There's a group at IC. Matt says, all you got to do to get a group is get one other guy. Now you got a group, and you start adding people to it. That's how he started in his basement. But, Peter, if you have a group, like a, 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 a small men's faith group, and you go to them and say, you know, you, you can demand it. The change comes from the bottom up. It comes from the men. And, and that's the only thing that's going to change it. I like Father's idea, though, and just pull your child out and go to Mass. Yeah, I wish but, I'd have heard yeah. that 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes, sir. Alphonse. So we got a gentleman that talks about the importance of first Saturday of the month Mass. As your priest, 
and all your parishes <laughs> to have confession before Mass. Don't you guys have a gap, you know, the half an hour from one Mass ends to another? You know, we, 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 you know, there's people come not in a state of grace. They need confession before Mass to receive Christ. Preparation. Preparation. So ask your priest, you know, I, you know, it, it's incredible when, when some of the, you, you see the bulletins in some churches, all they have is confessions scheduled for 30 minutes for the whole week. I mean, that's going to kill all of us. Ask your priests to have more confession. And don't go alone. Bring other guys with you when you're doing that. Yeah.